The Atsy podcast started out to be, and I hope continues to be, a helpful and hopeful guide through murky and turbulent cultural waters. Some of what that looks like is talking with people I don't align with politically, ideologically, culturally, etc. And not because it's simply enough to celebrate diversity, as it were, but because the discipline and practice of listening is the key to moving beyond division to understanding and then towards care. One of the reasons I gravitate towards podcasts is for this very reason. It's a way to listen, and it's a way to learn to listen. My guest on this episode is Nick Lapara, whose Let's Give a Damn podcast is among my favorites, not only because of the variety of his guests, but because I like the way he approaches his work. Nick is always prepared. He's also legitimately thoughtful without being heady and curious without being invasive. I think that makes for really good listening. This is my conversation with Nick Lapara. So I, I grew up in, in upstate New York, but we were in the city pretty often. Okay. So yeah, I do have I do have memories. Yeah. I do have memories. And and then I still I go there. That's my most frequent visit when I leave here. Oh, really? Is New York. I mean I'm there on a normal year. This is the first year that I still have I actually had a flight scheduled for this month in a couple days to go to Philly in New York alone, just walk around and just like get reinvigorated again because I this is the longest time uh, since I was a child, huh. that I have not flown these these whatever it was seven or eight months. Yeah. So I'm dying. Like I'm <laughs> I am dying. I mean I went from you yeah, know man. one two three trips a month. Yeah. To zero yeah. for seven eight months. It's been hard. Um, so New York is number one. Uh, we've also considered strongly uh, moving overseas for a few years. Huh. I you know I for grew the up, adventure of it. Uh. Or for is there is is there like is it like the general idea of like being out of the country, being overseas, or are there particular getting, places that you're like? Oh, I there's really no. It's particular. There, there are particular places. Um, we have thought long and hard about. Like Berlin, Germany is one of the top cities in the world to raise kids. It's a phenomenal. It's city. It's, it's amazing. I love Berlin. Yeah, uh, Amsterdam. Spent a ton of time there, yeah. and that is also a great city for families. A great country for families by and large. I just had this friend, Kat, who um, moved. Her, she's a, an amazing startup uh, entrepreneur, and she. And her family just moved to um, they just moved to Ireland for a few years, and uh, he's from Germany. They lived in Princeton, and he he works for uh, Microsoft, and she has this startup. So they're they're doing they're doing okay. So the and the, their jobs would allow them to bounce. Yeah, I mean they both work for themselves, so they just said fuck it, we're going. Oh, and so, so they they moved there in in like, just, I, I've been talking to her quite a bit because I'm like, how is your? Obviously, you're still connected to the news, and so you see what's going on and you feel it. But like, how is it being over there? And she says, I, my mental health is a million times better because I'm not there. I'm not in the middle of it. I know it's still, it's my people. It's my country. I'll probably be back someday. That's fascinating. But like, I don't have to, I don't have to think about it all the time because I can get up, do my work, take care of my family, go to my local coffee shop, walk along. I mean, they're, they're right on the ocean. So they're like, you know, they can just walk along the ocean a couple miles from their house. And, and so like that, you yeah. know, um, there's like two schools of thought with like the overseas thing, right? Because a lot of it is do I don't want to be here. I yeah. don't want to be here. In the States. In the States. In general. I didn't, I didn't grow up here. I've never felt at home here. And I know that's a classic like expat sort of thing to say. Like kids that grew up overseas, they're like, I don't belong anywhere. But it's true. Like I, for, for one, you, it's true. For one day of my life, since I moved back uh, in my mid-20s or my early 20s, I moved back. I have not for one day in my life felt completely at home here. Not one. 
Why? I've always felt like a stranger. Um, because well, by, let me do this. Let yep. me do two ways. So tell me why, and then like, what does it what does it actually feel like? And then we'll go to like, like where you were the growing up. So what like when you say like I don't feel at home here. Um, I wonder sometimes when folks say that yep. if it's not altogether like a like a vastly different disorientation than other people's disorientation, but that like expats are more keen to their 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 disown their own disorientation. In other sure. words, like, and I don't know if I'm right about this yeah, theory. No, so I'll just... do some some shit I throw out. But the idea being like generally everyone lives with some degree. Not everyone. A lot of people live with some form, some level of dissociation. Yep. Like like some degree of dissociation, geographical, emotional, yep. interpersonal. Yep. Expats, or you know, third cultural kids, yep. or whatever the you know yeah, the yeah. thing is, whatever term you want to throw at people who are like, I'm just trying to live. Uh, have like a like a like a name for it. They have they have a, like a like a they can they can point they can put their finger on it. So for you, like not feeling home here, like why and what does that feel like? And then let's talk about where you were and how like. You know, and how that affects things. Yeah, on a very practical note, those are great observations, and I have not even decades later haven't figured it out completely. I, I will say this: very important years were lived in Guatemala, hmm. right? So it wasn't like I was a, a tiny kid and moved back. Like I was there from ten to twenty. So you know, yeah. puberty there, first crushes there, you know, homeschool there, playing you know playing little league soccer there, like almost getting kidnapped there. Uh, witnessing people get murdered in the streets there, like you know, the normal upbringing, the normal upbringing, yeah. totally, hundred <laughs> percent. So all those imp- those very important years, where sure we talk about kids, how spongy they are, that's totally true. But there's still some sponginess in a lot of like my now that I understand the world better, that I, that in ways that a kid cannot. Yeah, I'm forming all of my opinions and my ideas, and mm-hmm. I heard how. Um, it it's funny because we used to come back every summer for three or four summers. Four of my brothers, so th- three of three of my brothers and I, four of us, we used to sing in a gospel quartet. The four of us. That's awesome. That's a little little side note. It's very good. That's for, a- that's as side for, notes go. Yeah, the strong as, one. as side. Yeah, it's exactly that's a strong side note. And so we would fly back every summer to Tennessee, about an hour and a half from here in huh. in Dayton, Tennessee, and we worked at a summer camp. And I remember being so excited to go on those trips, like to get out of, you know, get out of home, get out of Guatemala for a while, this yeah. crazy place. We're going back to the promised land, the United States of America. And then I would show up and I would look around and see the people because you have this vision yeah. uh, of when you're outside of it, you think, oh my God, everybody's, you know, making a lot of money. Healthy. Um, healthy, fit, good looking. Yeah. Like you take what you see on TV and you put it on all 300 million people. And I would show up and I was like, and I came to, uh, and, and don't, don't read into this, uh, people, but like, <laughs> I, might I came to <laughs> I Tennessee, I came to the South where, yeah. um, people are weird. They do weird things. Um, they act weird. They, they, they live differently. Yeah. Right. And, and they're fine with that. That's, that's. And so I came back to see that. Yeah. And so I quickly became, even when I was still living in Guatemala and would visit, I would say, wait, maybe, maybe home, the U S isn't all that it was cracked up to be. Yeah. It's not the Fresh Prince. Right. And then I came back for good and I came back for good. I came back to live here on my own for the first time and that just continued to build. So to answer your question in part, it is just because I'm not, I don't have this enamorment with the greatest country in the world. Like I can see past that bullshit and see the facts. Like we're a fine country, just like many other countries and we do great things and we do terrible things. And it's a good mix of both, but I, I've never had that, like, 
America's the greatest place because I've been to 30 other countries. Like, I know what's out there. Yeah. I, I would – if you pushed me against the wall right now, I would – and said, you got to go – you've got to go to Moldova and live in Kishna, Moldova, yeah. a small Eastern European country that I – most people won't even know it's a country. It's a country. And it's beautiful. It's amazing. I would live there over here right now for a few years. Yeah. I think I have, you know, I, 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 if given the choice, I would go to different places and yeah. live with my family. But I would go there over here. That's how sort of disillusioned I am yeah. um, about this place. I think uh, the way I read some expressions of nationalism, yeah, it's a dissociation. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Right. Yep. So what? What? Uh, I'll just name it. Like what uh, on what thoughtless progressivism will do is we'll look at right leaning hyper nationalist Christians and like and give in to the whole those are the real Americans things and make you know na- you know narrative that's yeah, the, yeah, real, sure. the real Americans yep. thing and and that's what you know the patriot thing and uh, and then make that again part of their disillusionment as opposed to and which I think is actually true. I, I really actually do think it's true. I think the hyper-nationalist expressions we're seeing more so over the last, you know, four to eight years or whatever, yep. four to six years, I think it's a form of dissociation. And I agree. It's like, like, it's actually because, and, and the, in you know, we, you know, you quote unquote, you peel the layer back and you're like, this brother can't make his rent. This guy had his farm taken by, yep. the, same, by the policies of the person he's voting for. Like, life actually sucks. Um, so where do you put that? And for you, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I, I want to rise above this odd, like, sort of enamorment with the country I live in, and have a grander perspective of where I actually am, a deeper sense of place. For other folks, it's like, no, I'm going to invent and yep. buy into a false narrative, and I'm going to live there, which is just another form of dissociation. So I think generally, folks live until I've done my work. Like I, there are some form of dissociation that I love. Like until I've done my work and come to grips with who I am and my body yeah. and my geography, yeah. I'm going to dissociate. I think nationalism mostly is actually that. For other, again, that's part of what I mean. For third culture kids, for you know, for well-traveled people, that's not as much of an option because, like, no, I actually have other. I don't have to invent another right. place. Yep, I've been several, and I know like Berlin, Germany, as as well as like what an amazing Germany as a country. What an yeah. amazing, it's incredible. It's an incredible country. It's incredible. So I don't have to imagine another place. I don't have to create a false narrative of America to live in emotionally. Like I can imagine living somewhere else and yep. and and sort of re- reorient my sense of place in the states, which sounds like is what you're able to do. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's led it's led to a few different things. One is so we've we've lived in. My wife and I got married twelve years ago, and in the twelve years we've been married, we've lived in uh, Pennsylvania, Minnesota, Washington, and now Tennessee. Yeah. We've rented uh, 12 homes in 12 years. There's this constant desire, yeah, mostly with me, and my wife is amazing to still be married to me today because she doesn't deserve that. Uh, she doesn't deserve what I put her through, but we're both in it together in that we're, we're trying to figure out where's home. Like, we're fine if home is New York City yeah. or LA or Berlin or Amsterdam. Like, we're fine with that. And so, but but we just want to know what it is. We just want to know which one it is, right? Yeah. And and here's some going back to the the disassociation and the nationalism thing you just shared. What do you think about this? Go. 
I think America, a good friend of mine who's a cons- who's a conservative, uh, he's Canadian, so he couldn't vote. But my guess is from our million conversations that he would have voted for Trump last time and this time. Good guy, good family guy. No idea why he believes the things that he does, but he's a great guy. <laughs> right. And he says to me one day, he says, here's what I think the problem is. America's too big. Hmm. Like America's too big. Should any country get this big? Look at all the countries that are this big or bigger. And they usually have some sort of like, uh, you know, I don't know if communist dictatorial leaning. Right. Or they live in complete mayhem. Right. They don't. It's not a stable society. If you look at the countries that are running well. Smaller. uh, Way smaller. Look at my my, my friend who just moved to Ireland, Kat. She says right now, this is what our government's fighting about. Fighting air quotes. They have a surplus of money and they're trying to figure out if it should go to education or healthcare, both which are free to every citizen. Should the money go to healthcare or education? That's what a country of 4 million people can fight about. And even on the very upside, Angela Merkel, Germany, like yeah. what, 75, 80 million people? I might be off, but it's somewhere up there. Yeah, That's the biggest the country should be before you lose a good chunk of your people to, you know, maybe hmm, like I don't hear of these. I'm sure they exist. But not to the tune of 70, 80, 90 million, like we do here, these these people. Which is a, that, which is a country unto itself. Which is a country unto itself. And so when people tell me, like, just stick it out here, um, there's a lot of work to do. And I believe all of that. But the question I constantly mull over is, can we be fixed? Or do we need to see this as a failed experiment and start over? I don't know what starting over with 330 million people looks like. Yeah, right. But it, it, we, we've called it the American experiment, but we don't treat it like one. We look at this constitution, <laughs> really this good. document, yeah. and it's like, this is the document we live and die by. I'm like, how are you going to live and die by a document that doesn't recognize women, only recognizes white landowning men, and yeah. calls Native Americans savages? Like, that's the document you want to live and die by 200 plus years later? So it's it's just like, I, I feel like I'm in constant mode and i need to figure that out for myself i'm not yeah. saying that's healthy we need to find home yeah or i need to be more content yeah really. which is another way to find home which is another way to find home home could be here yeah. we have a we want to leave here so badly love nashville love the people here this is not home but i told my wife hmm. this the other day i was thinking we have a great life here yeah we have good friends we have people who can call in the middle of the night yeah my cigar shop we got our favorite restaurants we know this place inside and out at this point yeah we have a good life here yep if God or the universe said, stay here for good. You'd be fine. We'd be totally fine. How'd you get here? How did you end up in Nashville? Like, what was, was it like a strategic choice? Was it on a list? You threw a dart at a wall? Like, how do you end up it in It was Nashville? on a list, but not one that we... So the list was our families, my wife's parents, my parents, have all moved to the South over the years. None of us are from the South. Not by design? I, so the design was... Uh, my father-in-law is a career Walmart guy, Walmart manager, worked okay. for Walmart for 20-something years. Yeah. And they moved him to East East Tennessee, Knoxville. Okay. So that was his, like, by design. He, he wanted to keep his job, so yeah. they moved him there. And then my parents, so we're from New York. Becky's family's from Pennsylvania. Um, and, and my parents, when they were coming back from being overseas missionaries, yep. they had, they were trying to figure out where to go and where to live, where to make home. And at the time... My older brother, this was 11 years, uh, 12 years ago, he was the only one that had a kid. Hmm. So they said, let's go buy, let's go near our grandkid for a while, you know? Yeah. And they just never moved. I mean, I'm one of 12 kids. Oh, wow. So they, 
moved 12 kids, you know, across, you know, to Guatemala, raised most of the kids there, then did five years in Honduras. They're coming back. They were just, they were more tired than they bargained for. Yes. And they just haven't left yet. Huh. Um, so we wanted to be closer to them for a while. Yeah. You know, this like cross country, we were in Tacoma before just south of Seattle. And it was, we were spending a lot of money and time going back and forth four five, six times a year. Right. Yep. And they weren't coming to see us as much as we would have liked. So it's like, let's just move closer to them. And the cities were Asheville. If we wanted to go on the small, cool side, Asheville yeah, or Chattanooga, and then hmm. Atlanta or uh, Nashville. And I had a brother that decided to move here with his family. So it was like, let's just do Nashville. So yeah. it wasn't it wasn't like, we've got to move to Nashville. In fact, after we decided to come, like after we had told everybody, my wife and I actually came. It was her first time here after we had decided to come. Yeah. We came in February. So like a month and a quarter from now when there's not a leaf on any tree yep. and it's cold and gray and it's not pretty. Like this is not a pretty place for winter. <laughs> no, it's like, not. Like it's just nowhere it's, in the South it's, really. It is but bleak. It's, just, it's just bleak. It is bleak. And she came and she cried. She <laughs> cried. She was like, we already decided to come to this shit. Oh, that's so good. And we came and... You know, God has been very good to us, but it it was not like let's move to Nashville and then we were disillusioned. We were already not on board from the beginning. Yes, but it was the next step I think in finding home eventually. Um, and we talked a minute ago about like the way it feels to live here. Yeah, industry town, kind of a cool kid town for the most part. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't say for the most part. That like it is a strange collision of things. I was trying to explain to someone that there was like it, someone was asking about cuz I told them I was headed to Nashville for a few days and they're like, "Oh, what's it like?" It's and it's the south. I was like, "Well, I mean, it is the south. It's not not the south. It's the new south." Yep. Which has like that kind of new country vibe. But then you have, you know, this massive population in Nashville of folks who aren't from here. Right. Uh, and who are here for you know rock and roll, whether it's country or Christian rock or some other form of music, songwriting stuff. Um, and then like you've got a good amount of old money, enough that there's a kind of a there's a culture there, but you have a truckload of new money. Yep. Uh, there is a decent like a decent culture collision with regards to like race uh, and what have you, but there are also there's really weird clear lines. Yep. Like an actual other side of the tracks. Like people talk about other side of the tracks. One of the first yep. towns I ever saw was like there was actually tracks and then there was blackness on the other side of the track. Yeah. Was Nashville. Yep. Um, it is that. Yep. Living here, uh, not just those things, but like living here as a person who runs a podcast is like has, a, you know, a, a, I don't know what it's called, like a creative bent, but sort of lives in the creative orientation of yep. life and industry. One of the reasons why I haven't been back for a long time is that it can be just a really um, discouraging place. Yeah. Uh, I would leave here feeling low. I would yeah. leave here feeling like I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough and yep. people don't like me. You know, I would definitely have like those moments when in my own, uh, in my own work and, and conversations in Nashville, I would, I, I would feel like, yeah, I don't belong here. Like, yeah. I shouldn't be making music. I shouldn't be, Whatever, like I'm, I'm a lesser. I couldn't have imagined living here. Now that was 15 years ago. Yep, a lot. Yeah, has changed, and now it's more of a place that, as best I understand, like people can actually live, be, and there isn't the same. Um, it's not as predatory. It's not as aggressive. 
this is my you know this is my take what's yours like what's it been like living here like in kind of in and around the the kind of cool kid nashville thing like like is it you're comfortable you're here is that part of the disillusionment like talk about your history here in that way I have so much to say. I'll t- let me <laughs> let me make it brief. So here's I want to start with positive because there's a lot of positive things about Nashville. Yes. One was that when I arrived, this is not everybody's experience, and maybe it's partly my personality and some of the people I knew right off the bat. But when I arrived, people rolled out the red carpet. Hmm. They said, "Who do you need to know?" Wow. I'll introduce you. Right. So that's you know pe- whether it was people in the entrepreneur space or in the nonprofit space or in the music space, like. I just got people literally opening their metaphorical Rolodexes and saying, who do, who do you want to meet? Like, wow. And they introduced me to really great folks. Again, that has not been everybody's experience. As I've gotten uh, more into, again, there's several different Nashvilles, right? Because the people that haven't come here to make their lives bigger and better, the people that have been here for a long time, they... Uh, are the same. They're nice. They might hate you, right. but they're like super nice and yes. chill. And it's very just like chill. <laughs> but then you you do have all these people, right? There's 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 a, there's a weird um, culture that's being built up here. So it used to be just music. Yep. Not so much anymore. Huh. In fact, music is all over the place now. You want music? You go to LA. You go to Atlanta. You go to there's a ton of other music hubs. Yes. It's not just Nashville anymore. Now it's this is one of the leading healthcare cities in the country. Healthcare startups. And now you have this weird thing. And then a lot of other startups. You have uh, TikTok opening an office here, Facebook opening an office here. So you got all these uh, Silicon Valley and bigger entities saying, oh, that's a good place to be. It's a cool city. You have everything you need in that city. And it's way fucking cheaper than where I'm at, right? So a lot of offices opening here. Yep. And then a new weird thing is happening, which I'm not quite sure where it's coming from, but um, the names Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens might ring a bell. You know, Ben... You know, he's been in L.A. all his life. He's an L.A. guy. And he's at his office there, which was always weird to me that Ben Shapiro, Shapiro was in, in L.A., LA, right? Because he would just like half of his shows were bitching about L.A., but he just stayed there. Well, he finally got fed up with it, and he's moving his office here I heard to that. Nashville. Yeah. So Daily Wire is coming to Nashville. All the crew, you know, I think it's like 70-something staff. They're yep. all moving here. That's weird to me. I mean, it makes sense, but it's also weird huh. that you would feel like – uh, and maybe that's the people I hang out with. You know, we're the only blue dot in the middle of a sea of red. I mean, Memphis is blue, we're blue, and that's it in the whole yeah. state. Yeah. Like, it's it's blue here. And and I assume, I should also clarify, people say Nashville and maybe they mean Franklin as well. Like, Franklin's, neck, you know, down the road. It's where all the rich people live. It's a pretty different place. And it's very different. And But people say they live in Nashville when they actually live in Franklin. So maybe Ben is moving to Franklin, but, which I, maybe what I imagine would happen. And then, like, Candace Owens, who's, wild let's just put it that way like i'll stop there she is a wild uh woman with lots of opinions and she's very right-winged and she decided to move here and there's others that have indicated they're coming here so that's weird to me that like huh in just a few short years because you don't feel like that's because you feel like that's an like a counterbalance i feel like um i don't know why they would feel like i want everybody to feel welcome I want, I want to be, I want, I want everybody to feel welcome. But your experience but, in Nashville wouldn't lead you to believe that, like. No, that... like, I know the mayor. He's a friend of mine. Like, I know the people that are trying to make stuff move forward. Hmm. And that is counter to it. Again, not that they can control who moves here. Like, move here, fine. It's like, that's your right. But it just seems counter to the direction the city is going. Interesting. By and large, not entirely. We yeah. had 
We had arrests. We had 200 plus arrests over the summer at at uh, uh, Black Lives Matter rallies. One of my friends was arrested seven times, um, and it was spent. the The governor, who's a terrible person and human, he spent over a million dollars in overtime guarding property that was ours to be on. And again, arrested several hundred people. So like, we have a lot of work to do. But it just doesn't. It's weird. So it's a weird. It's becoming this weird yeah. uh, mix. So I feel welcomed. Yeah. There's a lot to do here. If you're if you're sick of this sort of like like humdrum, not that all of LA is like that, but the, the more Cali like effect, or if you're sick of you know being berated in New York, like this is a ha- it is. That's yeah. why people come here. It's a happy medium. So many of my friends have left New York to come here because they're like, I want a little more yard, and I don't want to get yelled at all the time. And so they're <laughs> they're finding that it doesn't sound like an unreasonable ask. <laughs> right, like right. A, a touch more lawn. And less. And yeah, I just I don't want to feel like everyone hates me all the time. Yeah. And I, I love New York. That's where I want to move. But but I get it. I, yeah, New York totally. is New York, man. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, good. So um, if someone was to ask you, like, hey man, like elevator pitch, what do you do? Like your life, your like vocationally, and you had to like summarize folks. Some folks would be like, I'm a pastor. Some folks would be like, I'm an engineer. I'm an architect. Like someone comes to you and is like, hey, Nick, what do you do? And how do you answer that question at this point in your life? Still figuring it out, but I'll give it a shot. The first thing I say is I help people give a damn. Yeah. So I start there. That's not specific to anything that I actually do in the day in and day out. Right, right. But I help people give a damn. Mm-hmm. And how I do that is through a podcast, through a, f- a book that I'm writing, uh, a TV show that we're hopefully filming beginning of the year. We've already m- shot the pilot. Um, the nonprofit arm that we just started for Let's Give a Damn. Um, and I do it through providing people with conversations and opportunities, yeah. dialogues, to figure out how to get closer and closer to living the meaningful life that I think every person is meant to live. That's good. Uh, talk about starting the podcast. Yeah. So it's been a minute. You've been at it for three years. Yeah. 170-something episodes. Kicking butt. Um, was a dream, was a thought. It was like, I'm going to start a podcast. Was like, I'm going to try this thing. We'll see how it goes. Give me a couple things. Give me like like the like the decision-making process to start a podcast. Was yep. it an experiment or was it like, I'm doing this thing, hell or high water? And regardless, like talk a little bit about metrics along the way. And I'll come, we'll come back to this a few times. Like... You know, you get to year one. What's the reevaluation you know, process start? You know, so talk about starting the podcast and like, how did you over the course of, you know, the first year or so, like land? Like, yeah, this is definitely what I'm doing. Like, give me that. So my first career was 14 years in the nonprofit world. That ended in 2015. Uh, just shy of being completely burnt out by it. I wanted to leave when I still didn't hate it. Yeah, why? <laughs> Um, I was sick of begging, borrowing, and stealing for everything that we needed and wanted. Okay. And I, I also had some interesting um, teams that I worked with the last few years that really soured me. Now, again, I am I I'm very pro nonprofit work. Yep. I again, I don't hate it. I needed to get out for a season. The first thing that I did after I got out, sure, I found some consulting gigs to pay the bills, right? Because I just like up and like left with you know not even 20 grand in the bank, you know, because I didn't pay, I didn't get paid a ton of money. So it was like, that's what we could scrape together before I quit. And I had no plan. I had no plan. I just knew that I wanted to quit building other people's platforms 
and wanted to express myself more openly huh. and to build my own. So I have helped uh, really well-known people in the in the Christian nonprofit space build their platforms over over the that was fourteen years. Yeah, and I was done with it. Okay, because I just felt I have way more to offer. Got it. Yes. So that was 2015. 2016, we moved to Nashville. Um, so in the middle of not knowing what the hell I'm doing, we decided to make a cross-country move with, you know, three kids and a cat. Uh, and we sold everything that we owned except for what we could fit in our minivan. So we sold everything, stuffed what we could in the minivan, and that was it. They flew. I drove. We arrived in Nashville with nothing. See, I don't know. I'll just have you there and say, like, I, that, that moment there – uh, there's a, there is a, there is a kind of wisdom that would say like, Hey, if you don't know what you're doing, don't make a big decision. hundred like percent. There's another side that's, that's like, if you don't have anything happening, if you're not, if you don't know what you're doing, part of what that means is that you're untethered. hundred percent. Load up and go. hundred percent. Like, so I, I take so many risks in my life and 90% of them are really foolish. Thankfully, I have surrounded myself with, uh, great mentors that have complete access to, they have 100% permission from me to tell me what to do because yeah. I trust them so much. Yeah. And I have an amazing wife, like literally. Like, the, you know, people talk about whether there whether there are or are not soulmates. Like, I married the only person on the planet that could be married to me. Like, <laughs> hands down. I literally have dudes sometimes text me, you know, and are like, how are you still married? Like, you're doing some crazy stuff. Yeah. And you guys seem like you're happy. And we are. Thank God. Like we are happy as a couple and as a family. And so anyway, so I I totally agree. Um, I always lean toward like I don't I don't care to fail in front of people and I don't mind taking risks. So I, I always go there where it's like I want to get myself untethered enough that I can do whatever I want to do, need to do. And I don't I'm not going to. I'm not going to take down a bunch of other people with me. Yes. Right? Yep. And so that was that point in 2016. And, and I'll admit that in my last four years, I learned more about that and yes. I've become much more bold in that area yep. than I did in my first 33. Absolutely. Like once I tried it and it worked out, we're still here. Yeah. Like I, I'm never going to ask for permission again. I'm never going to take no. no for an answer again because I've seen what that can do, what yep. the power of just like being myself and doing that well. So to answer your question, if I'm ever going on too many like rabbit trails, just, no, we're just good. Like, hit me we're up. Great. But um, so we arrive in Nashville, didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and so I'd been talking, I'd been using my mouth for quite quite some time yeah. to lead in different organizations. I did some public speaking, a lot of like teaching and preaching in the church, those sorts of things. And so I, and that was also 2016 was when podcasts really came back for the huge second wave, right? Yes. Like it was 2015, 2016. They came back with a vengeance yep. and everybody was starting one. So I was thinking, I have no money um, and I need to make something that's quick and easy, but yeah. still effective. Yep. Well, podcasts are really effective right now. Yes. Everybody and has- they can be quick and easy. Yeah, yeah. And they can be really quick and easy. And so I um, had met this guy named Chad Snavely, who's still my podcast producer to this day. Mm -hmm. And I said, I, I am not the techie guy. Like I- talk for a living and that's all I really want to do. <laughs> so good. I need someone to make this because I don't want to go like go into my office and spend three hours putting together a podcast. That is not, if yeah. I have to do that for every episode, I'm yeah, out. I'm not doing it. And so I hired him from day one. He 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 is an amazing world-class producer, took, took a lot of chances on me. I hired him and it really was my, my number one motivation 
wasn't even how many listeners can I get. Hmm. I had this name, Let's Give a Damn, which at the time I thought it was really effective. That has been since confirmed in a variety of ways. It's yes, a very yes. good call to action. Yep. And so I had this name and I, I wanted to talk to people under the guise of getting a community involved. I wanted to figure out how are people giving a damn? What are the 101 yes. different ways that people are giving yeah. a damn? Because it's not just nonprofit. That's what I grew up. Charity nah, work, nonprofit, you know. And 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 I'm like, no, it's it's wider than that. It's yes. bigger than that. It's broader than that. People that have, you know, three kids and student loans and two jobs and right. are just, they can figure out tiny ways to do it. And it doesn't look like, you know, helping out at the soup kitchen every Saturday or donating $10,000 or whatever. Like the big, there are the big, uh, you know, lights on the marquee. hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, and, or there are seasons of life where giving a damn is primarily about taking care of yourself. Yeah. You give a damn about yourself first. You can't go on to, to your community and to the rest of the world if you're unhealthy. So, and that was something I didn't understand at that point. It was like, give a damn meant like go out and do the thing. Yeah. And sometimes that's really, really unhealthy. And so I wanted to figure out how are people doing it. Yep, that's good. And I I was lucky enough to have people in my community at the time that let me interview them and also introduced me to other people. Yeah. Right. So guest number six, my good friend Gold Reese, who soul who co-founded Soul Pancake with Rain Wilson. She's like, hey, if you want Rain on the show, let me know and I'll get him. I'll get him. Done. And so that was why I was able to get Rain at episode ten, yeah. like with hardly any listeners still. And um, and it's just kind of built on on itself since then. What's been for you like the the, the, the trick with the podcast? Not the trick. One of the tricks with the podcast is you put people on a microphone. Yeah. Um, and I think this is true of you to some degree as well. Is that, like there are places you want. There's a, there's a cultural direction you want to to move people. Like, like, yep. I, like, I, you know, and I don't think it's a bad thing. It's sort of the, the non-agenda. Like, I don't think Rogan has an agenda per se necessarily. He has things, he has parameters to some degree, but like he's, and he's got a big enough culture of podcast wise. It's just, just, it's just, just, yeah. just Joe Rogan. Uh, such an anomaly. We, I could talk for an that, hour about that because it's so it's such an, unique. There's nothing, yes, nothing. Like for the most part, what I like, the podcast I like, like there is, uh, it's it's the Emily Dickinson tell the truth but tell it slant like yeah I gotta know your slant like what's yep. your what's your thing where you're, where you're trying to take people the the what makes it tricky is you put people on mic that like uh, maybe aren't going heading yeah. that same way or sometimes they're conflicting or don't get it or whatever talk about um, like having a kind I don't want to call it a mission or a focus. I don't want exactly what I want to call it, but like having kind of like a desire to to move people culturally in a certain direction, and then and then like the learning curve of like working with people in conversation to get there. Like, is there is it a tension for you? Is it like it just is it a matter of picking guests? Like, talk about like the learning curves of learning to interview folks, and 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 do so where you're not just doing like I just interview people and that's it. But yeah. you're actually you're culturally yep. forming. Yep with you know with your work talk about like learning to do that and like the obstacles and and you know some of the learning curves that come with that yeah it's it's great that you're asking this now because i mean i always have an answer but right now wrapping up 2020 possibly one of the hardest years that some of us have ever experienced and all that i've learned through it while keeping a pot in fact increasing uh, you know episodes during this time you know yeah. for four months i did two a week and um and 
so we're, my producer and I are right now are working on sort of blowing up the whole model in 2021 in a good way. Like, here's what we've learned over the last three years. Let's get super like big and precise at the same time wow. about where we're going. Yeah. But it took three years of trial and error. And so, um, gosh, there's so many different directions I could take with this. So one is, um, here's a value of mine. I have these well-known people on sometimes yep. every six, seven episodes. I could get more if I wanted to. I have people that have reached out with very big platforms and I'm like, nope, it doesn't fit into the narrative. And the narrative is, huh. the narrative is what I really want to do, like the, what the podcast really exists to do yeah. is not for me and some other famous person to stroke each other off. Like, right. and for me to be like, oh, look who's on my podcast. Right. I want to introduce people to heroes that they probably never heard about and that they need to know about. Okay, These good. people that have that are giving a damn in really unique ways. No camera, no lights on the marquee, like none of that. Yeah. They're just doing it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. That's my heart. Yep. It's like bringing these unknown people out of the shadows into the light. And not that, whatever. They're good all by themselves and they already have a community around them. But I'm yeah. just saying in the let's give a damn world, I can introduce you to somebody that you need to know about. Okay, they have 900 followers. Who gives a shit? Go follow them. They're someone that you want to emulate yes. in life. So that's a value of mine. You know, I have, uh, I, I just got hit up by yesterday by um, Priyanka Chopra Jonas's team yesterday about having her on the podcast in February to talk about her memoir. Um, I'm not a huge fan of her work. Like, I, it, in other words, she's not in my ecosystem. Yeah. I know who she is. She married a Jonas Brothers. She has Jonas Brothers. She has 130 million social media yeah. <laughs> like numbers that it's, she's big. She's huge. She's yeah. in the top like 50 on Instagram, whatever. I snatched that up so quickly. They reached out to me. That's weird. Like I didn't reach out to them. They reached out to me and yeah. I snatched it up quickly because I'm going to have a good conversation. I'm sure she's an amazing human. We're going to have a good time, but I am only hoping that out of that, um, more people get into the ecosystem so that yeah. they can meet Raheem Buford. Yes. Who killed someone when he was tw when he, when he was a teenager and spent 25 years in prison and now he's out running the Nashville Bail Fund. Yeah. Like helping people get out of jail because they can't pay $200 bail. Yeah. Like that's the person that you need to know about, not Priyanka Jonas Chopra or Pro Chopra Jonas. Like so that is a big value of mine. That was that was the case from the beginning hmm. and I was and I've tried to always keep that. Yep. Um additionally yeah, it's not just I interview people. Like, I want to become, one of my goals is to become a master storyteller. Yeah. I'm sure you share that goal with yes. me, I think. It is so, I don't, that's why I don't, I try not to call them interviews. Yeah. I know that's okay. kind of snooty, but I call them conversations. Yep. Because I truly want it to be, I don't want it to feel interviewee. I've got my 10 questions. Like, yep. you don't have a list pulled up. Like, no. we're just talking. Yes. That's how I do it as well. Even with the Matthew McConaughey's and the Rain Wilson's and the Chelsea Clinton's, like, I might have a couple notes scribbled down, like, don't forget to ask them this. Yeah. But I go in there wanting to have a conversation. This is not an interview. Got to get through one through 10 before these 13 minutes are up or yeah. out. Like, I don't want any part of <laughs> I that. I can't do it anyways. Even if yeah, I right. To... Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm garbage at that. Like, yeah. I, got, I didn't get to five. Damn, I didn't think it's five. And so my goal is to uh, get the most out of this person. Maybe... Maybe try to ask them a question they've never been asked before. Yes. Maybe care about their story and parts of their story in ways that no one else has. Okay, that's good. And so that has literally been a, you know, wash, rinse, repeat kind of a thing. Like just doing it over and over again, I self-assess 
and I have people around that listen to it that assess it and let me know how I'm doing. That's good. Like, are you, if your goal is to become a master storyteller, here's how, you're, here's how you're, you're, your grade is right now. And they're keeping me moving toward that, like, hey, do less of this, do more of this, be you, yeah. but notice that you're doing this. I think something similar happened with Dak Shepard over this past year with his yes. great podcast. Yeah. I had to stop listening to him for a long time yep. because it was all about Dax. It didn't matter if he had Jesus himself on the podcast. It would always go back to how Dax is an AA. Yeah. You know? And we now now we see why with that recent episode where he talked about like yeah. he was hiding relapses for a while. Well, of course, he was overcompensating for yes. all the people that knew that he hadn't touched. He was trying to out himself. Right. He was trying to out himself, right? <laughs> he totally was. And he said that. Yeah. But I had to stop listening. And someone along the way, maybe it was Monica, maybe it was his producer, maybe it was Kristen, like somebody along the way said, This is not about you. Yep. Ask questions and then listen and really listen. Yeah. And then when you think you've listened, like listen some more. Yeah. So you can ask the next best question instead of being like, oh, I was on this dune buggy, right? And I went to uh, my last <laughs> AA meeting. Like, stop it. We we get it. We get and it. we appreciate you. But like, it's not about you. So it's, yeah, it's been, a, it really has been repetition. That's good. If I went by just the numbers, um. Not just numbers, because the numbers are great. I'm happy with the numbers. I love how many. I love the people that listen. The, the messages I get, they're fine. They just don't tell you enough. They don't tell me enough. They don't. Because I, I here's what I'm counting on: all these messages that I get back, each and every week, Twitter DMs, Instagram DMs, uh, emails, texts. That's the stuff where people are saying, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Like that conversation just wrecked me yeah that's the data that's it that's the data that is it and somebody's moving something up above our heads right that's the data i couldn't care less i rarely check the numbers anyway because my i my podcast producer does it like i literally don't know yeah who's listened in the last few weeks i just had this conversation we were talking a buddy of mine i'm gonna see um and uh, i think tomorrow do an interview with and he was talking about this season every year come down the other season and people post their spotify Numbers, artists, will put in, and which like there's nothing good or bad about that. Yeah. Per se. it's just like yeah. okay, fine, do that. It's amoral. It's but, just like for, whatever. But for him, he was just like I, like it. But it was he was like I'm I, I'm bummed out. And I, I I don't remember. I think it was I think it was Young the Giant. Uh, like they posted the to Instagram their like their this fake Spotify numbers thing. It was just like it was just like drawn in pencil, and they're like, and they said like, and it was a cheap thing to some degree. It was like yeah. low, low hanging fruits. Like it doesn't matter what the numbers are. Do you? Which is like it's very sweet, but also like a lot of folks kind of needed that to be like, oh yeah, it's okay. And this this bro was like, I hate this season. Like I hate I hate like because I'm really proud of my friends, but then for a season I'm like I look at my numbers and they're garbage. Yeah. And so we were we were having a conversation about this, and he was like. He asked about uh, one of the books. Uh, I did a two-book deal. Uh, we have mutual friends, Scott yes, Erickson. Scott yep. Erickson did this two-book deal. Beautiful books. And uh, he's like, so he's like, yeah, speaking of numbers, how's the book doing? And I was like, I have no idea. Because I know he's asking me about numbers. Yep. And so like, what? Uh, and so we have this conversation. I, say, I said, okay, I, I can tell you what I get. Like, So I have the saved file of one, of my, one on my computer and one where I'll print some stuff out of, of like notes that I get from people yep. like, this specific prayer and that did this between my mom and I, et cetera. I'm like, that's the stuff I know. But I don't I don't know like I actually don't know I don't know what the numbers are. Yep. And I never and I never look 
and it's not because I it's not because they don't matter. It's just because like they're that peripheral yep. to me, which I get as a place of privilege. Like I'm making, totally. if I wasn't making a living, I'd be scared to shit, and I would look at the numbers all the time, yeah. trying to figure out where's the, when is the check coming. Yep. But like insofar as it just doesn't tell me enough. It says it a few things, and even like if it's let's you know with book sales or 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 you know podcasts to some degree a little bit different numbers, but for like book sales or music sales, like with a book sale. Let's say you sell 30, 40, 50,000 copies of a thing. Okay, great. How many of those people read the book? Yep. You know what I mean? And how many are sitting on a coffee table? Sitting on a coffee table. They got the book and it's sitting on, like, it's sitting by the nightstand in a stack of other books that they also won't read. I don't want that. Yeah. Like, I'd rather you not have the damn book. Like, like, don't have it and not use it. So, like, the numbers don't say any, like. Mark Kelly's, isn't it Mark Kelly's, like, thousand true fans? Like, if you can get a thousand people. Oh, no, not uh, 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 Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly, not Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly. Kevin Kelly, thousand yeah, thousand true fans. fans. If you can get a thousand people, which is so low numbers. Yes, you like can make a so, If you get can get that many people, people to, to hinge on your every word. $100 and, and to give you $100 and uh, you you're set. Yeah, you're set. Instead of, oh, my thing's a New York Times bestseller and it's sitting on nightstands and coffee tables all over the world. Like, which and is nobody's neat. That's actually fine. That's what you wanted. I sure. Just, I just don't. Yeah, you, you cash the check, but like, then then what? Yes. So I, I totally agree. Um, I, I love those insights, and I'm glad you feel the same way. Again, if we're trying to build a viable business, we do have, like, somebody has to pay attention to it and say, Nick, we need to pivot here, or uh, whatever. This is scaring people away. Whatever. Like, but I don't want to be the one to think about that. I want to think about, I'm, I'm going to talk to so-and-so, and I think the world of them, and I want to get their story out in the best way possible. Yes. That's all I want to talk about. Yep. In the direction of, uh, in the direction of direction, like, like having a, um, like ha- having an angle, having like a, like a, like I said, oh, yeah, right. like a mission or like a place, like a way in which you want to move folks. Um, talk about the role of, or the threat of, talk about religion here for a second. Mm. Specifically Christianity, uh, you and I function in a world in which, like, a lot of our friends are Christians. My spiritual background is Christianity. I still call myself a Christian for the most part. The word gets weird now, weirder yep. than it did when the, the first time I used to say it was weird. It's weird to call myself a Christian. Yep. It's so much weirder now. Yep. I won't not because I don't have enough reasons yet to divorce myself from the title entirely. But, like, I, like it's weird. Talk about the role, the threat, like the place of religious faith, personal faith, cultural faith, like in the the give a damn world. Like, like to, is, uh, yeah. Like, does it have? Like, does does do you find like a tension in terms of like your personal faith practice? You don't do a whole truckload of like putting your own like personal spiritual journey on the table to say, yep. hey, this week we're going to talk about. Yep. This cathartic moment in yep. which there was a dog with three legs made me think of the story in the Bible. Um, yep. You don't do a whole lot of that kind of stuff. No. But it's also not unevident that there is a, there's a, an element to what you're up to that is, like, tied to this, like, I don't, I don't know what to call it without using, like, garbage terms, but, like, this sort of kind of broader kingdom perspective where, like, the, you know, the God, the divine is up to something and want to be tapped into it. Yep. Like, talk about the role of religion in your work and if there's a gap between how that plays out personally, uh, like wh- what does that feel like? Yeah. So I am a very, I personally have stopped calling myself a Christian. I continue to call myself a follower of Jesus. I got no beef with Jesus. Like Jesus <laughs> is awesome. Um, and so just because 
I slip sometimes and call myself a Christian. Yeah. It's not about being ashamed or not. It's that doesn't, that does not identify who I am. The people that also hold that name. Here's the tension with that though. And this is why I currently don't, yeah. but I might come back sometime is because um, the crazy uncle, right? Right. Or the crazy cousin or your dad or what, like when they start doing crazy shit, do you disown them? Like you can't stop. I'm a Lapara no matter what my family does. Yeah. Right? Right, right, right. And so I've sort of, I get it. It's not, it's not apples to apples, but there is some parallel there. Well, if we so are you're, this, the, you're definitely in the fruit family. If we are. It's not apples <laughs> to apples, but you're definitely still talking about definitely fruit. Definitely talking about fruit. <laughs> that like we are this big family, right? Yeah. This global family that, again, this God, this deity is like doing something at work and God is using these people to accomplish it in real time on the earth, right? And so that's happening. Yeah. And do I disown them or not by by stop, you know, by not using the word Christian anymore? So I'm I'm comfortable, very comfortable, again, because I'm not ashamed of who I am and the kinds of things I think about and believe. I'm a follower of Jesus right now. Right. Always. Um, another thing that affects or another another reason why my faith is like everybody on the podcast, if they listen to regularly, knows who I am and what I believe. Right. Generally. Yeah, I, haven't yeah, got, yeah. I haven't done like a theology That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, but it's they not know generally. It's, it's evident. It's just and not the, like yep. pushed. And the reason that I feel very comfortable even associating with many other Christians and not like keeping that secret because of all the shitty things Christians are doing right now in the name of Christianity, no less. Yes. Um, the reason I am fine sort of being in that world is because I – in. I don't know if this is important to mention. It's important for me because it informs who I am and what I do. I'm a universalist. So I believe that everybody gets in in the end. And so, therefore, I believe that we're all at different places in this journey. I don't know what it takes for the worst of people yeah. to get to the place where they get in. I don't know what that journey looks like. Is it? Is it? Does it look like purgatory? Is it reincarnation? Like, do they have to come back multiple times to figure their shit out? Like, I don't know what that looks like, and I don't care. I just believe that the the God that I see at work in the world um, loves everyone and uses everyone at different stages and in different ways. Yeah. Therefore, I can be holy who I am and not, like, pound it down people's throats. And I do believe that the... Like, you know, let's just say Rain Wilson, um, he's been on, he's Baha'i. And I've had other people on that are Muslim. And, you know, Nora Tagore is a good friend of mine. She's Muslim. Like, there's all these different people on. And I love sort of highlighting their religious background and their faith because I believe it's important for people to hear and yeah. to experience. Oh, yeah. And so, um, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to hide them from that so that they'll choose Christianity at some point, you right. know? Like, it, it, it lessens the burden to like feel like as a follower of Jesus, you should be evangelizing. You should be spreading the good news everywhere. And I'm like, I am. Yeah. The good news is that the 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 outpouring of love God and love your neighbor in my life is to help people take care of this planet, love the marginalized, advocate for the weak, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Some of the things Jesus said. Some of the things that <laughs> Jesus said. Exactly. It doesn't always have to be this like altar call thing yeah. where I'm like, if you're like, repent of your sins and come. It's like, I believe everybody will come when they come. Good. And my role is to keep being a light. Yeah. And 
in this season of life, and I think for the foreseeable future, because of all these things we have, uh, I mean, I've kind of tied myself to this let's give a damn thing. Yeah. I believe let's give a damn in all of its, you know, all the different arms and all the different offshoots will help people get there. That's good. Will help people, to use a Christian word, become sanctified yeah. by doing good in the world. Yeah, yeah. 15 years from now. Right, so we talked earlier about, uh, and this number's been ahead for a long time for a few different reasons, but we talked about, you know, that Nashville as a town yep. is dramatically different than it was 15 years yeah. from now. Went through some stuff. The people in Nashville went through some stuff. A lot of the folks, the, a lot of the people that I like in Nashville would not have seen themselves living the way they do now or being the people they are now 15 years ago, but they are, and they're better for it. 15 years from now, if your best laid plans actually work if the stuff you're doing now actually lands if the seeds you plant actually grow what does life look like for you family for the give a damn podcast and world what's happening for you what's happening in you what do you look like what your work look like 15 years from now if what you're doing actually works yeah that's a great question uh in in some ways i want to be doing exactly what i'm doing now on a much bigger level. Um, I have told, when people ask sometimes, what do you do? I gave you the answer that I gave you. But sometimes I tell people that I talk for a living. I just, I talk. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some people want to listen. And that's weird to me still. But yeah. I hope that I can continue to do that. Somehow, I have been able to um, work up an ability over the years and with lots of practice to uh, engage people in stimulating conversations and again, approach things differently than they've ever been approached before. Yes. Some of the more famous people that I've interviewed that, and I bring that up because they get interviewed a lot. Yep. Uh, mo most of them at the end of our conversation go out of their way to point out, you're really good at what you do, like keep doing it. Yeah. So I'm, I feel like I'm a good steward of this gift that I have yep. by saying, I wanna keep doing this and get better at it. It's good. What it looks like is I want there to be a, a, a holistic I want let's give it give it end to still be around doing the work and yeah. it's 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 built out to offer something for everyone. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier we've shot the pilot for a TV show and we're going to sell it Q1 of 2021. Hopefully that we get a season and hopefully they like it and we get a season 2 and a, you know and maybe there's maybe that show only gets two or three seasons but we start another one off of that yep. and you know keep building that. Mm -hmm. Um is the book too? The book, the book as well. I, I'm not a. Um, you're so good with words, dude. Like I'm serious. Like I, I love you know the stuff you post on Twitter, your your Instagram. You know, like your words cause me to think. Mm, nice. Um, I'm not there yet. Like yeah. in terms of writing, like okay. getting it out on paper. I speak a lot better than I write. Yeah, yeah. And so there's been pressure to write a book. And I know I should. It's one of those things where it's like, well, you you need that business card, that heavy yep. business card that yeah. is going to give you more authority in this area. <clears throat> right. So I have an amazing agent who found me and she wants to sell my book. And so we're working on a proposal right now. She's, okay. We're going to sell it. In, we're going to try to sell it in January. She's 100% sure that she can sell it, especially with the, the topics and what's going on in the world right now. She's like, the name, everything. We're oh, yeah. going to sell yeah, this well, shit. Like, I, I agree with that. So the book, the TV show, the podcast, uh, we're working on different variations of the podcast for maybe some other shows or figuring out how to expand what we do on the show. That's something that I think is worth noting. Let's give a damn, um, like it or not for me, like it's when people hear it, especially associated with what I'm doing, they think, they automatically think humanitarian, philanthropic, you know, do good. 
Yeah. And I don't believe, I, I don't, I want it to be, I need to be smart in this next year with branding and language and everything. Because I don't want it to be pigeonholed as that. That is part of it. Yes. But again, going back to the beginning, I started saying these last few months on the podcast and in person with people that I've mentored and things like that. Like, here's the sequence of events. Yep. Give a damn about yourself mm. first. Yep. Don't skip to numbers two and three. Mm. You have to be a whole person, not like perfect. I'm not saying that, but you have to be healthy yes. so that you can appropriately and in a long-term way, give a damn in phases two and four, two and three. So give a damn about yourself. Give a damn about each other. That's your people, your community. Those yep. are your neighbors, your family, your partner, um, your coworkers. These are people that you're going to be able to call at two in the morning if shit goes down. Yep. That That's your next group because you're when you jump to phase three, you're going to need a group around you that's to good. tell you when to stop, tell you yep. when to go, keep an eye on you. Yep. And if that's not healthy, you're going to burn out in phase three and then phase three is others. So yourself, each other, and others. Super simple. Nothing like rocket science. <laughs> no. But- it has to be done in that sequence. And I know that in the past three years, I have failed. Yeah, we've had some conversations about self-care and this and that and the other. But I failed at really shaping people in the number one. Hmm. And so one of the things we're going to change on the podcast is we're going to do different weeks for different like different kinds of guests so that I have the freedom to go find more people yeah. to have on the show where the, the, the climax of the conversation isn't. So how are you giving a damn, right? It, there's nothing there. Like... It's, huh. it's experts on, you know, meditation and wellness and scientists, doctors, politicians, where the conversation is going to help people become a better human That's good because of how they've excelled at life. Yeah. Entrepreneurs, like all these things, like I love that. people are going to get shaped as a human so that when the give a damn situation arises, they're ready to like rock and roll because yeah. they, they, they meditate now and they're in a much better mental health space. They yes. eat better because they listen to this conversation with this vegan, you know, whatever. Like, um, so we're adding that because I think that is a part of, that's something I've missed in the last three years. Mm. And I need to like reinsert that. And that's going to, that's top down language. I've got to change language at the top, yep. which points to action taking. Yep. And it's like, no, 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 I, dude, I'm 37. I feel super young. I have so much time left, you know, hopefully. And, you know, same with you. It's like, we got so much time left if we take care of ourselves. Yes. I don't want to burn out in five years. Yep. I want to be, have as much stamina and energy for giving a damn now as I do on my dying day. Yeah. How do you do that? We got to take care of number one. So that's changing, not just with the podcast, but with all the stuff, it's going to include that more. And the end game for me is to have a, you know, it's already several different companies and entities, but to have a, a, a group of offerings that we do. But the one thing I want to be doing, uh, I've already put a timeline for it six to 10 years from now. Hmm. Like what I want to spend most of my time doing alongside speaking and you know public speaking and all that is I have a, I love at least the idea at this point, I've never been wealthy enough to do it, but I love the idea of uh, investing. I've always dreamt of being an investor at the angel level. In and what? So, 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 Investing in, uh, specifically for me, what I want to do is in two or three years, begin to till the ground to raise a round. So I want to start a social impact investing uh, team. That's good. And we invest in um, entrepreneurs of color, minority entrepreneurs that are solving problems. That's good. Because I love that. Like to me, that would be a dream world if I got to the place where I had enough money and I could, you know, get a team around me. We start a, we start a, a, a you know, we raise a round. And then we can go out and invest in these because because I know so many people that are ridiculously talented that have incredible ideas. And because they're 
black or brown, they can't find the money. They can't get the, the meeting with the investor. And I'm not unique in that. There's so many amazing groups right now doing that. They're, yep. ri they're, they're raising yeah, rounds yeah. and starting funds for you just know people that you of color. Do it. But I want that, like that to me is like the big culmination. If I can spend, you know, 47, 48 for the rest of my days doing the other stuff, but primarily investing, that would be amazing to me. Love that. Dude, thanks for your time. Thank you. This was super fun. And thank you for listening to this episode of the At Sea Podcast. If you would like to follow up with Nick LaPara, you can visit him at nicklapara, with two R's, dot com. From there, you can look at things he's done in podcasting and speaking and consulting. He's got a newsletter that's actually great. If you'd like to become a patron of this podcast and you are not already, you can visit patreon.com backslash Justin McRoberts and be part of the team that continues to propel this work forward into the future. Until next time. In the park near my house is a series of trails that intersect a small creek in a few spots. And in the winter, that creek rises and it's almost impossible to cross at one location. So a few years ago, someone built a bridge over that spot. They saw a problem and they created a solution in order to address it. Then a week or so later, someone else tore it down. And then in response, the original builder took some of the broken pieces from the first bridge and used them to assemble a new bridge. And I think that's actually how life works and moves forward, which is why I wrote that story into my next book entitled, It Is What You Make Of It. 15 stories that push back against the kind of it is what it is thinking that keeps us from entering into the world around us and living fully. The book comes out on June 1st. You can pre-order it now. I hope you do.